electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are solid. As Chief of Staff Meadows says, POTUS and his doctors will decide early this afternoon whether to leave Walter Reed. Ten-year yield, a five-week high today as stimulus hopes stay alive. Our roadmap begins with the president still hospitalized. His treatment, condition, and prognosis still somewhat unclear with 29 days until Election Day. Plus, stocks are looking to start the week on a positive note. Investors, of course, closely monitoring the condition of the president uh, and also keeping a close eye on any progress in stimulus talks. We are as well. Not to mention, there is fallout as well regarding COVID. Shares of Cineworld tumbling. That's the owner of the second largest U.S. movie chain, Regal Cinemas, suspending operations at all locations, Carl. Uh, Jim, the headline's still crossing from uh, Meadows talking to Fox earlier today, saying the president is committed to getting an aid bill done, wants to move expeditiously, but also be fiscally responsible. That's certainly where the market's focus is going to be today. Well, I think that the fact that the president wants to give state aid, uh, I think that matters. I think that, the, that Speaker Pelosi wants to do a deal. I think there's some urgency coming to it. Uh, so the, the talks this morning, I bet, uh, will be productive. And I think that's very exciting for the market. Does it matter to you if it's piecemeal, uh, a little bit for airlines or, or something else? Or do you, do you still crave something comprehensive? Well, as long as there's something for states, which I believe there will be, and something for small business, then I think America will react positively no matter who leads. And the reason is, is because as we listen to, say, Dr. Gottlieb, we know we have to have some firepower. We know that if, if this uh, scourge comes back and comes back hard, then that's it. I mean, anyone who tried to stay open is finished. Uh, witness Brooklyn. Uh, the, uh, the, I'm seeing many pictures of Brooklyn of where it might close. Well, it's, it's my darn block where my places are. And, and so I think that, once again, we need help. Um, question will be how much to states and municipalities. That has been the key impediment previously, at least, to getting a deal done, as we well know, Jim. Uh, where the Congress or the House at least had passed what it, originally it was, I think, up as much as a trillion when their first three trillion dollar bill back in May. It's been reduced and reduced. I don't have any idea exactly where we end up, but that that money is needed and needed immediately at so many different places, by the way, not just cities, as some would have you believe, or not just blue states either. But across the board, isn't it? Um, and if you don't get it soon, you're going to see even more significant layoffs in these municipal workforces. Absolutely. I believe there is give. I think that the president knows uh, how small and small and medium size is very important and also states more important than I think some of us have, have portrayed. So I, I, maybe just because the communication is very difficult on this and very private. But obviously, the markets are reflecting something positive. And the markets have been pretty accurate about stimulus, at least in terms of talks. Talks this morning, Carl, I think could be fruitful. 
And I think that, therefore, uh, I wouldn't bet against this market right now. Yeah. Uh, and um, I wonder, Jim, if you think that's what Treasuries are reacting to today and the bank stocks. You got Wells Fargo up a full percent. Um, are we looking at an area where uh, stimulus does drive yields? Well, I think it drives yields. Plus, uh, I, I think that, remember, the parade of bank earnings comes next week. So anything that could make it so that they don't have to talk about how there's uh, big loan losses ahead, again, a very positive for the market. I don't trust that group at all. Uh, I put the oils and the banks in the same group, uh, which obviously is a group, David, you don't really want to. Well, you've said, right, I mean, oil is uninvestable. You've been saying that now for a yes. very long period, for not that long, but certainly through the course of this year, you've been saying it. I think it's generally been a correct view. Much better not to touch those things, even on any rally. Jim, coming back to just quickly put a, uh, a, an end to the stimulus conversation here. Well, maybe not an end, but uh, I mean, do you get something done before Election Day? I just wonder about timing. I know you're not necessarily the expert, but, you know, you've got a president in the hospital. You've got three, at least three senators who are not around right now are going to be on quarantine. Right. Uh, you know, I just wonder. We've got less than a month to go until we have an election. It, it seems like the time is ticking by here. I think that if Senator McConnell were to say we really need it, he spoke with the president, the president's doing well, we wish him well. Uh, then I think you have something. But I know the end. Look, the fact that there's still talks at this late date, that's very positive. Why waste your time? Why would the secretary waste his time speaking to the speaker and vice versa? So I think that there's still I think there might be a little momentum here because I think that the president is set to to give some money to the states, maybe not as much as the Democrats want. But, David, you know, look, you're right. It's the Senate that the issue that's, that worries me, because the Senate thinks because there's a lot of Republicans. Some people say 20 Republicans, Carl, who believe we have a V-shaped recovery. And if you think we have V-shaped recovery, why would you ever give any more money out? Right. Well, and as David points out, um, the calendar now becomes a focus because the Senate's out until the 19th. We know what their priority is going to be. At least we think we know. Uh, when they return, and that is uh, the confirmation of Judge Barrett. Right. So, I mean, I'm just trying to think, Jim, uh, the timeline of when you could ostensibly yeah. see checks get into the hands of states and whoever else might be poised to benefit from a bill. Well, I, all I can say is the alacrity with which they uh, did the PPP, the paycheck, uh, shows me that they can get it done. I think they've learned a lot from the way to do it. David, you know that they were initially kind of uh, catch as catch can. Uh, now we know the way to get uh, money into people's hands. I don't know how to get money in the state's hands fast enough, but boy, do they ever need it. And, and I think that the fact that the states will start the layoffs, you, you and I both know that's where we're going to get a big accumulation of unemployed in the next, in, in the next call. But, which, by the way, I mean, could play a role in the present, present election. It could. It, it could. It certainly won't help the overall economy uh, as you start to see these layoffs trickle down from states that are just under enormous pressure given revenues have not come in anywhere near. It's really not about shoring up pension funds as a Grover Norquist would have you believe. It's simply about trying to help these states through what has been a collapse in revenues right. due to a lack of activity economically in, in their states, period. Yeah, that's why I'm desperately trying to become a New York citizen, David, and not a New Jersey citizen after listening to the governor. Because they raised taxes in New Jersey. I mean, I'm fortunate <laughs> yeah. enough. You know, let me just go yeah. back there. Carl, I'm fortunate enough to do well in life, right? As is Dave Tepper. But when you listen to these, there's obviously desperation because you know if you're a governor or if you was kind enough to come on our show, you're willing to drive people away because you got to do something. And that's why it would be so great if the federal government recognized it. And I do think the president is on board in recognizing something for the states. And I want to encourage that outlook because what it says is there could be a deal.
Yeah, Jim, uh, we're going to watch that. As for uh, the weekend's uh, developments, watching the president at Walter Reed um, yesterday and, and on Saturday, Barclays uh, last night said investors are not treating his diagnosis as a major market event. Uh, they've lowered their expectations of prolonged uncertainty post-election day, now seem a little less worried about a close and contested election. We won't get into the weekend polling data, Jim, but I wonder if you think that's anywhere near being true. No, I, I don't know. I thought that was a little fatuous. I mean, we, we had the Boris Johnson uh, analog, and Boris Johnson got sick, came back, and poll ratings went up uh, dramatically. Uh, Dave, it's case by case, wouldn't you say? I would. Uh, I would. Um, and we got an election uh, bearing down on us now. Uh, you know, I will say this, Jim. I mean, you, you've, we've all watched the progress of various drugs quite closely. We remember when remdesivir was, you know, something that was... Uh, Potentially going to be useful when you uh, not to mention, of course, the monoclonal antibody cocktail from Regeneron. There's one from Lilly as well. I've also kept an eye on the small molecule that Merck is working on as an antiviral. I mean, the president himself is a walking clinical trial at this point. I don't know if there's anybody else on the planet who's actually had all the things he's had. Right. Given given how few people outside of the trial at Regeneron have had the actual cocktail. I don't think there's anybody who's had the cocktail remdesivir. Now the steroid, not to mention he tried the hydroxychloroquine way back when. You, you know what, David? I was thinking exactly about that. And I know there are a lot of people who are uh, immediately saying, well, hold it. How come the president gets in the Regeneron compassionate use and I don't, whatever? Look, I mean, the president, you're right. I mean, he is a cocktail of all the things that need to be done. You heard Dr. Schleifer talk about uh, what they've accomplished up at Regeneron. One of the things that I want to make clear is that if you were the, the president's doctor's, you would throw everything at this, uh, particularly if you at, at the current profile of the, of the 275 Regeneron hasn't indicated any side effects. Carl, I mean, the, the man is in, in the at risk uh, category. If they're in the at risk category, they're going to do everything they can. And I don't know if you can second yeah. guess what's being given to him, Carl. I just don't think you can. I, I, I know. Uh, Gottlieb over the weekend said it's clear they've kind of thrown the, ch- the kitchen sink. Uh, but the president... Uh, if it seems to be defying all kinds of expectations, given the CDC data for patients who have been uh, in his uh, age group with with the underlying conditions. You mentioned Dr. Schleifer this morning, and he was asked on Squawk Box the degree to which he thinks Regeneron may have helped the president. Early on in the course of this disease, the virus can get ahead of the immune system. Uh, And we think that giving that antibody makes a lot of sense because it's just doing what the immune system is supposed to do, but hasn't quite done yet. Uh, And that's uh, what we hope happened with the president. You ask me, did we help him? I'd like to think so. He says it's impossible to know uh, with one patient, Jim, but the evidence we have from hundreds of others is that you can really help them clear the virus. Yes, it's very important to understand when Dr. Ian Koppels was on our show last week, uh, I asked him, I said, listen, I'm being tested at 2 o'clock. Let's say there's a big viral load. What do I do? And he goes, well, you want to take the Regeneron drug. Why? Because it reverses the viral load. We understand from the te- whether it be the Tennessee Titans or whether it be the president, if you can reverse the viral load, then you're able to, to I don't want to say beat it because that's too presumptive, uh, but uh, certainly get out of the danger zone. And, and, and David, I mean, I, I think that one thing is clear when you're, a, let's say, a 74 man who, 74 year old man who is regarded as being obese, uh, the viral load being built is something you want. I, I, look, I'm just quoting the story. I, I mean, I know it's just so funny. I hope I'm in this yeah, shape he's, when he's I overweight. get there for him's sake. There's no doubt about it. He is. 
It's okay. You can say that. Um, uh, listen, Jim, when did he have it? Was it Thursday that he actually had the antibody cocktail? Well, you know that he had the uh, Abbott Lab short-term test uh, that morning. Right. Uh, then he went to the event. He had tested negative that morning. He goes to the event. He comes back. He does the Abbott again. Uh, that was uh, before uh, uh, that was, you know, the, in the afternoon, I mean, the evening. And then it was the PCR test, which is the somewhat definitive test. And then the one o'clock uh, a.m. tweet. So there we go, Carl. Uh, indeed, Jim. And we're going to be watching early this afternoon, as Meadows says, to hear about potential discharge. Let's uh, get to Eamon Javers for more on the president's condition and what may lie ahead today. Good morning, Eamon. Yeah, good morning, Carl. No specific guidance from the White House this morning, but as you just said, Mark Meadows, the White House chief of staff, tells us the decision on whether or not to release the president from here at Walter Reed back to the White House will be made with the medical team later on today. So we'll wait and see whether they get clearance to do that. Presumably the president anxious to get out of here. He has been tweeting all morning, uh, all caps tweets, urging his supporters to vote. So the president, uh, in effect, campaigning from his hospital room here at Walter Reed uh, military hospital, urging folks to get out and vote uh, in November. As far as where we go from here, uh, it's not a very clear picture. The doctors gave us a little bit of conflicting information over the weekend. We know the vice president is going to remain at the Naval Observatory. That's the vice presidential uh, residence until he leaves for Utah later on today for that vice presidential debate. So we will not expect to see Mike Pence over at the White House. And meanwhile, as we go through the morning here at Walter Reed, there's a a bit of a medical tailgate atmosphere building here. The supporters of the president have arrived. They've set up flags. They're blasting music. They've been playing Marky Mark and Guns N' Roses, other high-energy music for a high-energy president, uh, wishing him all the best in his recovery, guys. So we'll wait and see whether the White House gives us any more medical details uh, later on this morning. Back over to you. Uh, thank you, Eamon. Uh Jim, uh, I, I wonder, we talked about this on Friday, uh, the degree to which the president's, if he has a change of heart regarding what it takes to mitigate uh, the pandemic, whether or not that would result in changes in policies. And this video he gave last night says, I get it. I've been to school. You think you think he's had a, a change of mindset? Uh, I do believe that there's a, a notion that uh, the president understands that inside's different from outside. Uh, that inside means mask, outside means no mask, inside means social distance, outside means doesn't. There are so many, uh, I, I've got this mask contest going from uh, the 15 to 24-year-olds, and we have a huge number of submissions. I think younger people recognize it. I, I, I don't think it's becoming uh, red state, blue state anymore. I think it's becoming something which just says, good precaution. Is there extreme? Is there data everywhere? The aerosol professors, which I regard as being the, the ones who have the most knowledge, are saying it, it's it, it's so closely linked that if you wear a mask, you have a much better shot. Look, I think that when a lot of people come down, but do you think the Tennessee Titans? And I go back to the NFL because they have unlimited firepower, unlimited money. Do you think that they didn't wish that they wore masks? Well, the answer, of course, is that they're out there. There's no bubble. Uh, you either are in a bubble, which the White House is clearly not. Or you wear masks and you socially distance, David. Yeah. The White House was, uh, no, it was a COVID factory for a while there. I mean, that reception for Judge Barrett, wow. Yeah, that was yeah, um, the super spreader event, they're calling it. Yeah. What do you think about taking a, a quick ride in, a, in an SUV that's hermetically sealed? Thank heavens there's a, have a mask. Right? Let's hope they had more than just masks. Everyone wore N95s. Yeah. Would you want to get in that SUV? Uh I think it would be ill-advised, frankly. Oh, my God. I just want to see.
Hey, guys, uh, we'll get to a lot of the market moving uh, stuff that's going to happen, not just today, but this week. We got Powell speaking uh, t- on Tuesday, Fed Minutes. Got some upgrades today of Starbucks and Regeneron and CrowdStrike. We'll get to all of that when Squawk on the Street continues. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Regal Cinema is suspending operations and it's more than 500 U.S. locations. This is blockbuster films such as the new James Bond movie continue to be delayed in the wake of the pandemic. Regal's parent Cineworld also temporarily closing its theaters in the U.K. The company shares, as you might imagine, uh, with, along with AMC, Cinemark, they're all uh, going to be down. At least it looks like they will. The CEO of Cineworld, by the way, will be joining us later this morning. No surprise, uh, guys, Jim. I mean, given how few people are showing up and the fact that there's not much to show them to begin with. But how about what Adam Aaron's going to do? I mean, I I find that this is something... Adam Aaron, of course, CEO of AMC. Yes. I mean, look, when you don't have... If you're watching Netflix, for instance, there's not... You know know that there's going to be an end to the new stuff for for the most part, unless they all find a bubble to be able to do movies. So you've got this one-two punch of them delaying movies. And then where's the new content coming from, David? I don't know where it's going to come from. I think there are there's limited production going on now, Jim. But you're right. There was an interregnum that went as long as, what, five, six months, probably. And then the question is, what what are you going to do? Not just if you're an exhibitor like this, but to your point to the many streaming services that we all rely on for our reliable entertainment, there will be perhaps a need to go deeper and deeper into the catalog. Yeah, I mean, Carl, I think one of the things that's amazing about this is you're starting to realize that, uh, frankly, we're, we're back to just video games and NFL uh, once the NBA's done. But the NFL, I bet you, yeah. uh, we need to see those numbers, particularly for a game that was last night that was one of the most exciting games that we've seen this year, Carl. <laughs> well, your Eagles are now uh, head of the uh, NFC East, Jim. Congratulations. Yeah, you know what shows you dominance. I think we're dominant in the NFC yep. East. Dominant. Dominant. No more banged up birds. No. I see, I see Schefter says this morning the Titans have had no new positives for the first time in seven days. I think that that is so important because remember where we are. Uh, day, day eight is the, you know, a lot of people think like the, the CEO of Bioreference Labs has often talked about day eight as being the cutoff. So let's let's analogize that to what's happened with the president. And you do get a kind of a better handle than just the usual 14 day thing. Uh, because, again, I, I, the uh, Titans are being tested by by this PCR method, which is the method that is uh, closest to 100 percent. Yeah. So you've got you know, yeah. you got a pretty good David, timeline. Oof, and we can see there the performance. Yeah, of David, it does, oh, yeah. Go ahead, Carl. And I was going to say, uh, David, also reminds me of the downgrade today of AT&T over a key. 
Uh, they go to underweight, 25 target, not so much on uh, theatrical uh, pipeline, but more August deceleration in ARPU uh, and DirecTV. Yeah, I mean, listen, Direct is, uh, there's a process going on there for potential sale of that asset. Private equity, the most likely buyer. At some point, I hope to update people on that because I've heard there certainly was a hope to try and get something announced before the end of the year. So we're only a couple of months away, two or three months uh, from potentially at least what they wanted to do there. HBO Max, you know, I mean, they did interview the, they, the Wall Street Journal had an interview over the weekend that they shared with, uh, with uh, John Stanky, the CEO. He's still hopeful for uh, success of HBO Max, as seems to indicate it's still key to the company's future in many ways. It hasn't gotten off to a great start, to your point. Backing up for a minute, just back to sort of the overall conversation about COVID. Jim, we're still hovering above 40,000 new cases a day in the United States. And I think that's worth mentioning. Thankfully, the, uh, the rate of serious complications and death has come down as look what's happening with the president, as we found different ways to treat the disease, as we were much more well-informed. And also, frankly, as the population of those getting it seems to be younger, uh, given college campuses and the like. But 40,000 plus new cases a day is not good. No, and I think part of the problem is the asymptomatics of uh, the asymptomatics are proving to be a problematic for problematic for when they come back safe from college. Uh, the college numbers that the New York Times presents, I find, are are dreadful, uh, just dreadful. And the younger people are spreading it to the older people, and they don't even know they have it. So, Carl, I think that is really uh, what's what's driving these new uh, these new numbers. Yep, nine states, guys. Uh, nine states have reported record. Uh, new caseloads in the past seven days. So we're going to watch that as the temperatures turn here. Uh, More after the break, the opening bell in about uh, seven minutes. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, let's get to a mad dash as we're counting down to the opening bell. We've got a minute and a half, Jim McDonald's. Yeah, I mean, Wendy's and Todd Pentagon have been the leader. That stock's at 23. The one that's been the laggard is McDonald's, even though, what a chart, even though a great place to be. So this morning, Bank of America, uh, consumers leaning quick service for drive-through consumption. They raise estimates. David, this is the kind of stock that goes up four or five points. Why? Because of exactly what we've been talking about, which is that it's just very difficult to find restaurants in areas besides New York City where they've got these great sidewalk things. And I just think that the stock has underperformed. I believe this is the kind of stock you want to own between here and year end. They are doing very, very well. Hmm. Okay. Estimates got to go up on the, across the board. Everyone on the street. You'll be day after day. So you think there's a bunch of estimate revisions coming? Exactly. Higher. And that will help propel the stock. Yeah. I mean, look, this is a high quality. Carl, you know, this is a very high quality company. And to see... Uh, Numbers go higher means the stock goes higher, period, end of story. 
Yeah, they have some charts on credit card spending for casual dining versus fast food gym. And I mean, the difference is stark. I mean, their point is that people uh, got tired of their own cooking. That's literally in the B of a note and uh, and realized that drive throughs were an efficient way to get fed. Well, I, I make I, I cook every night. I'm sick of it. David, how many ways can you make chicken? A lot. A lot. <laughs> Thankfully. Uh, there's the opening bell, guys. Uh, pretty nice breath to start the week. Uh, wow. Jim, I, I, it does remind me, though, um, that BTIG does cut Dunkin' to neutral on valuation. Although Starbucks, uh, Oppenheimer goes to actionable buy. They go to 101 from 85. So if there's I, some, uh, I guess there's a splintering of opinions in, within food. Yeah, my chocolate shop's selling Starbucks, and quite candidly, the August numbers were minus 11. And that somehow is being viewed as positive. Now, how that can be viewed as positive is uh, 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 fanciful. But at the same time, uh, Kevin, uh, uh, KJ, Kevin Johnson is doing some things that will make it so that they are going to be taking advantage of all those areas that you see where it says uh, they're kind of boarded up or there's no uh, tenants. They can go in and do uh, fast lines so that you're no longer going to be cut by the people who have the app. So there'll be two. Uh, watch for two Starbucks in one street. Th- that could happen, Carl. It's good stock. Uh, looking at sectors this morning, Jim. Uh, financials up a full percent. Energy's doing pretty well. I saw WTI up about four percent, Jim. As um, I don't know. I mean, does the president's recovery, and we're all hoping that's exactly what happens, means that uh, lockdown easing continues or even accelerates? That's the way it's cutting. Now, I think those who um, are buying the oil stocks, once again, Look, there's too much oil, and you can play that. You can say, listen, 40 bucks, uh, it's time to buy these. That has certainly not been the case with the exception of Parsley Energy, P.E., and Chevron. I am still waiting for Exxon to do what I expect, which is that uh, dividend be slashed. But uh, I do think that hope springs eternal. I think this is more stimulus, David. I really do. I think this is hope on talks between Secretary Mnuchin and Speaker Pelosi that are most likely going on now. Yeah, they may be going on now, although you've made the point many times. Mitch McConnell's an important participant, so to speak, in those talks eventually, because it does have to get Senate approval. And it was very much unclear, remains unclear what exactly he's willing to say yes to and or the leadership in the Senate uh, is willing to say yes to, even if Mnuchin and Pelosi reach a deal. To your point on Exxon, Jim, uh, you know, you do wonder where the dividend yield to 10.3 percent. We've come back to it a few times. There seems to be an expectation that it is not going to uh, last um, and then there's a question overall at ExxonMobil, just about capital allocation overall there in terms of how they've gone about it, whether you can cut, what you can cut, how much they really should be spending in terms of OPEX and everything else in CapEx. Look, people forget what uh, Mike Worth and Chevron did. When everyone was running away uh, from the Gulf, they built big. They went in big in the Gulf, and those are not shale wells, Okay. Those are whales that stand the test of time. So there's a much better situation in terms of production there. Uh, I I also want to remind people that the president is his own worst enemy when it comes to the price of oil. Because what happens is the more oil we produce, the the lower price we get. So, uh, Carl, that group remains what I regard as a value chap, chap. And uh, by the way, let me, under- let me explain. I think that the banks are a value trap. I think that those have the ones that have big loans uh, to the consumer, 
Those will have to be criticized loans, given the fact that there's so many tenants that aren't paying uh, versus, say, a Goldman Sachs, hmm. where I think your pastiche is very, very minimal when it comes to individuals borrowing. So you think you think next week, I mean, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but when the bank earnings start rolling in, that loss provisions will be a story for a third quarter? I, I find it hard not to be, uh, if only just because they have to look at their book of business and they didn't get the stimulus that would make it so a lot of these small, medium-sized businesses that did borrow money uh, do well. Now, uh, contrast that with Square, where you know, they have, a, they have the, the register. They know exactly what they're lending to. Uh, that is not the case with the banks. Look, the yield curve's bad. The fees, ah, I don't know. Uh, I, look, I think some banks are doing better than others. But at the same time, the ETFs, David, the ETFs rule. And so what happens is when you get a bank like let's let's pick First Horizon. I've had them on numbers of times. That's they are probably doing better than almost all the other banks I follow. And there we are with a 5.8 percent yield. I I often have Brian Jordan on Tennessee. That is the strongest area of the country in terms of that. That Wells Fargo would tell you that. And yet, David, how come that stock is down from 17 to 10? It's bad loans. It's worry about bad loans, not bad loans. And it's, worry. again, it's not as much on the corporate side as it is on the consumer front. Exactly. And credit card portfolios and I guess mortgages. Credit card, okay. Mortgages uh, have small, right, medium-sized right? business. Yeah. But tenants and, real, right, and landlords. Right. right. I mean, those of us who own property, and David always makes fun of me for my wife's housing development, but we're not, we're not getting paid on some of the properties and you know we pay and they don't yeah no that's a problem and something we've discussed as well when you're a landlord if you have indebtedness of course it's more difficult for you to give some sort of concessions to your tenant and or watch your tenant go away completely it's probably even worse um yeah the keys we call it the keys keys give back the keys here are the keys david give back the keys i know um guys i I did want to get to a deal this morning it is definitely not a merger Monday, but uh, we do have one large deal, and it's a company that uh, Jim has followed closely for years. Um, Bristol-Myers spending $13.1 billion for a company called Myocardia. That's 225 bucks a share. It's a huge premium. Take a look uh, at, uh, at the stock. You can see how it's performing. They're trading four and a half bucks below. It's a tender offer. Could conceivably close quite quickly. Um, they're not talking about it being accretive to non-GAAP earnings until 2023. Said another way, it is going to be dilutive until then. Uh, but, Jim, they seem to be very excited about their key, uh, their key drug, um, which they believe has an opportunity even far beyond where it's, it's right now, at least, uh, potentially treating. Um, well, th- yeah, this... Uh I think abets their eloquence dominance, which is uh, blood thinner. I think the key thing here, David, is myocardia deals with certain parts of the heart uh, that, frankly, no one's done any work on uh, or given up on. Hypertrophic and, cardiomyopathy. Is, well, you know I know that area, sadly. Yes, I know. Right. And, uh, and so does um, we're going to have uh, Dr. Kafaria on, uh, on Medbonia. HCM. Mutations in the heart muscle proteins of the sarcomere in yeah. approximately two-thirds of patients. The path followed by blood exiting the heart, 
known as the left ventricular outflow tract becomes obstructed by the enlarged and diseased muscle. But to your point, there's nothing really out there that treats it. They have a drug that conceivably does. It's, it's a big deal. And, and Carl, I, what I want it to be, uh, as my chapel trust knows it, uh, creative. I, I just want the, f- yes. Okay, the answer is yes. I'm not going to mince words. But the fran- Bristol-Myers needs to extend franchises. They, they're doing heart franchise, blood franchise, and obviously doing cancer franchise. Uh, they're doing the cell gene franchise. Uh, so I, I think that Dr. Cafario is trying to, uh, it, it, trying to create let's say, um, moats uh, around things. And by the way, I mean, just so we're very clear, uh, no one has done anything new for hearts like this in ages. So this is a niche product, uh, but it's certainly the only one that will be used. And we all know, we do know people who, who have passed away from this. It's, it's, it, it, it's very hard to beat. Mava, Cam- Mava Campton. But they have to believe that there is a broader application down the road or the development abilities of this company are going to be beyond this, this drug, Jim. Yeah, I hope to hear I mean, that $13 tonight billion because, is a lot to spend for one drug. Right, because we know exactly. I, I happen to know personally uh, how niche the area might be. But you know what? We don't know. We don't know what's in the pipeline. Uh, Dr. Cafario obviously did or else he wouldn't be paying $13 billion. Uh, because that is a huge amount of money for something that if it is as niche as I know it as, uh, that's not good enough. So, Carl, we uh, wait to hear Dr. Cafario this evening. Um, yeah. He's been a uh, man of his word. We started liking the stock at 48 when he did the Celgene deal. But the stock has stalled. Uh, has it? Many of the pharmaceuticals have stalled. Sometimes people think it could be uh, perhaps uh, political. Uh, I don't know. But um, Jeez, I have three people. People talking about Jim. Will you please stay in your lane and just talk about stocks? Well, I mean, look at that. Generac is about solar. <laughs> Slack is about, frankly, uh, Microsoft dominance, Microsoft Teams versus them, and, and whether they have antitrust issues. So uh, the, stock, the companies that I'm following tonight are companies that are uniquely involved with government or uh, involved with what I regard as being takeovers that may not be instant in making things work. All right. No, Jim, you're not just a dollar sign. We understand that. Thank you. Your point, though, about having multiple buckets in pharma working is a big part of this uh, upgrade of Regeneron at Canner today. They go to overweight, 690. Uh, not you would think on the face of it, Jim, it's about what they're doing on COVID, but oncology, there is also a big push. Yes. Dupexin, uh, well, they have a wonder drug, and they're talking about it being as big as Humira. Humira is the largest drug of all time. Uh, which is incredible. Ilea is still holding in. I've been, look, I've been back on the thing since five, and I was very discouraged last week when it didn't go up, if only just because, do people not understand that Dr. Yankopoulos may be the man who has brought, more, he's the chief scientist, brought more drugs to the market than anybody. I, you know, this is something that Dr. Schleifer would tell you about, but it, it really is, it's, uh, that, that is a company that now has so many different drugs in so many different indications that the idea that it may just be a biotech is quite wrong. And, and David, you know, you, you, you hear Len let's come on the, uh, our shows. Yes. Uh, Regeneron is a, is a new drug factory. They're not, David, they're not a sales force. No. And I don't mean salesforce.com. I know what you mean. They're I not mean, a Salesforce masquerading as a drug company. Wow. Right. They're actually doing the science. Yes. Yeah. They're Listen, science. you've loved that stock since what, six? Since five. Five. Sorry, it's my I first guest, Len. Yeah. I, couldn't, I was begging it, Len he to come is, on, uh, anyone to come on. He, I always like to listen to Len. Where's he from? Is he, what borough is he from? I don't know, he lives up in, wait, he lives up in Westchester. In Queens, though. No, I don't know, he lives next to my sister. I kind of thought he was a Queens boy. But uh, um, <laughs> you are crazy. I'm always like, yeah, well, you know. 
when we can find good ones, we're always happy about it. Um, guys, I wanted to talk SPACs uh, because we didn't actually on Friday. Let's get to a quick favor report. We'll make it quick. But, you know, we got to keep covering the SPACs. This morning, what do we got? Let's see. Uh, Molus, they got a SPAC called Atlas Crest Investment Corp. They're raising or looking to raise 500 million bucks. You've also got First Mark Horizon. That's going to price tonight. They're aiming to raise $300 million. So there's another $800 million right there that's going to be raised for blank purpose, for blank check, uh, special purpose acquisition corporations that, who knows where they're going to head. Of course, as some of them like to tell me, yeah, it's free money. Why not give it a shot? Um, and that is what continues to fuel so much of this craze. Uh, by the way, we didn't get to it on Friday. Charlie Ergen, a uh, billion-dollar SPAC. Really? Yeah, I know. We, we, you know, Friday we had a lot of news. I didn't get to mention it, Jim, but yeah. Um, focused, as you might expect, on media technology. Do you not love when you ask them um, what they're going to do with it? They say, no, we're not telling you. Yeah, well, yeah, they can't have, we don't want to give that away. Right, they're not allowed to have any talks ahead of time, as you know, so before they do that, uh, before they actually raise the money as well. Um, and wanted to come back to sort of one of the kings' pack, which is Churchill. Uh, Churchill Capital, remember, they got one, two, three, four, and five. Three is that multi-plan deal. That was a big deal. Remember, they announced an enormous pipe that went along with that. I think it was, what, $2.6 billion? Um, that is closing on Thursday. So that'll close later this week. And they did some important stuff there as well. They refinanced, brought their cost of capital way down. They brought in T. Rowe and Wellington as long-term uh, shareholders for the tune of over $400 million bucks. They've reaffirmed. So we'll keep an eye on those shares. That's CCXX. Then there's CCX. That's Churchill Capital II, which I can tell you as well. Bloomberg had a story on that. They're bringing together two companies, Skillsoft and Global Knowledge. They're going to come together. They are distressed companies. Uh, but this is actually what the original purpose of a lot of SPACs was bringing stuff public that wouldn't typically be able to get there through the means of an IPO. And that's sort of what they're doing with CCX when they bring together two of these companies to create a, 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 a company that is going to have less indebtedness, that is going to be able to generate, I'm told, as much as perhaps $200 million in cash flow and use the SPAC as the way to go public. So merge them, come public through that SPAC uh, in the, um, in the uh, education uh, market, Jim, which is an important one, and this will potentially become a leader. So that's Apple the update Hylion. today. Are you on, interested in Hylion? No, I don't know that. Company. Okay, Hylion went uh, H-Y-L-N that closed its deal today, and you know, this is a company, David. Guess yeah. what? What? Electrified power train. Oh. So, what? Right. But greenhouse gas. Good. It's the new one. Yeah. And Remember Nikola? I do. It's a new one. I do remember it very well. Well, we need a new one. Actually rallied last week, didn't it, Jim? Yeah, well, I mean, look Every dog has its day. Oh, no, it's a brilliant company. This highly honest one, by the way, that people have asked me to talk about endlessly. So now I've, I, there, your love is requited, okay? There you go. He did. Yeah. All right. Carl, over to you. All right, guys. Um, watching yields closely here as we're expecting some more ISM data at the top of the hour. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Hello, Carl, and definitely I will break away when we get the market, M-R-A-R-K-I-T PMIs. Look at a two-day of tens. Everybody, of course, two-week, I'm sorry. Everybody's talking about how they popped today. They've really been aiming higher in yield, lower in price for a couple of weeks, but we're really starting to hit it hard to the upside over the last several sessions. 
And if we open the chart up, you can see that at the end of August, we had a high uh, that was at 75 basis points. That's very key. We want to pay attention to that, of course. But really, many traders are going to focus on the true breakout being if we can test 90 basis points, which goes back to May. Now, the market numbers are out. Our September final read on the services, 54.6. 54.6, so 54.6 replaces 54.6 as the final read. And, of course, these are the best numbers going all the way back to uh, March of last year. March of last year when uh, this reading was around 55.3, 55.3. And if we look at the final composite for the month of September, it was uh, 54.3. It lost a tenth from its 54.4 mid-month read. Now let's go back to the charts. We're talking about how the 90 basis point high from May is critical if you're really looking for treasuries to kind of break away from the thumb on the scale of our central bank. Now let's look at the spreads, shall we? The yield curve spreads, 10s minus 2s, right now trading 60 basis points. That's basically the four-month wide. Haven't closed at 60 or higher in four months. Finally, the dollar index. Now, this is the opposite. The dollar index has been losing steam. Let's go to the third week in August. You can see at the end of the month, we established a 27-month low. Well, we had a nice bounce, but it didn't hold long. Here we go back down. As a matter of fact, if you look at an intraday against the yen, the pound, we are down against all the major currencies today. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, uh, Rick, thank you very much. We'll take a quick break here. Uh, banks, energy, materials all leading. Uh, Russell's up more than a percent, highest since uh, September 18th. We'll take a quick break. Be back in a moment. A new poll from ABC Ipsos finds today that nearly three out of every four Americans doubt the president took seriously the threat posed to his well-being, nor took the steps necessary to avoid contracting the virus. Approval for his handling of the pandemic uh, remains at 35. The administration's COVID response will no doubt, Jim, be a topic at this week's vice presidential debate in Salt Lake City, a debate uh, that some say may be the most consequential Veep debate in many years. Well, uh, look, the country split on mass. I mean, there's I think there's many people who feel that they're valueless as people who say, listen, uh, they can help. Uh, the, the there is real science and the science is from two great aerosol professors who just say, look, it's just a question of whether it bounces off your mask or not. The molecules a little bigger than what people are talking about. And I find that that when I see the administration, people and David mentioned the uh, COVID factory that's the White House. I, I, it, it was just irresponsible. Masks work, Jim. I mean, you got, I mean, I know you've been saying that, but don't, you can't, it's not a false equipment. Don't make a false equivalency. There's, right, well, it, I think the people were, in fact, I, do you know anybody who wears a mask regularly who's gotten this? No. And do you know, there's only 19 people who have gotten it on airplanes since uh, the outbreak because everyone wears a mask on an airplane. Right. And not Air Force One. Well, it's foolish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people would say it's anti-science. And that's been a hallmark of the administration, is anti-science. Yes, it has. Right. Certainly when it comes to things like climate change. Yes. I'm going to well, I mean, it's been one of the big lessons of the last few days, guys, this idea that you can test negative and you might still have to wear a mask because you could just as well test positive tomorrow. Uh, Biden has tested negative for three days, but we're still going to pay attention to his uh, test results over the next couple of days, uh, to be sure. Right. By the only way, one authority, a pro programming Carl. note. The, the only authority is Adam Schefter. 
No test. No uh, positives <laughs> today. <for tights. laughs> yes. Uh, as we said, a programming note, NBC News' Lester Holt will hold a live town hall with the Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden tonight. It's 8 p.m. Eastern time, and you're going to be able to watch that right here on CNBC. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. Well, I'll tell you something. Even though we think that oil's not doing that well, I mean, short term it is today, but Caterpillar just spends more than $400 million, $405 million buying an oil and gas unit from this outfit, Weird, W-E-I-R, and people love it. So uh, it does seem like that when you do anything um, and you're a cyclical right now, people love it. Not bad. That's Look at for that sure, chart. Jim. Wow. Look at that uh, chart. Yeah. That's not yeah. a recession chart. So... Are, are you of the belief this morning? I mean, Morgan Stanley, uh, Mike Wilson's out with the note saying that the real scare here will be a rates scare. And that's going to put into the crosshairs some of the long term growth names that obviously the Nasdaq has benefited from. Well, yeah, I, like I saw that. And I also you, you've been saying keep an eye on rates the whole time. Uh, I think that we're kind of much more in a nirvana mode. I think that when uh, rates go up and rates go down, we'll get a weaker number. Uh, I do think the economy's got some strength to it, but not so much strength that you don't want to sell FANG. You, you don't want to sell FANG. I mean, that's just kind of, the same kind of an same inverse thing. Goldilocks. Yes, yes. I mean, someone recommended DocuSign yeah. today. And that was a good idea. I think Wilson's been fabulous this whole time, so I don't want to take him on. But I do think that I'm not going away from FANG. All right. Jim, what's tonight? We got Generac. I mean, people know them as the... Uh, the way to be able to keep your power on, but they're also a big solar play. Uh, Slack is the way we do work. I'm doing a lot of stuff on the work we do for work. And then uh, Dr. Cafario on, um, on this very special uh, myocardia uh, acquisition. We must learn more about it because so far the market is confused. Confused. By it. Uh, Jim, uh, rest up. We'll see you tonight and a long week ahead. Thank you. Uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.